with a recording studio that is, this week, a flare-free zone. Welcome to Hand of Pop. Gentlemen, uh, we wish that we could have been talking about some football this week, but as you're already all probably aware, if only because you read the description before downloading the podcast, um, we're not doing. We're talking about uh, something else. Before we get to it, I shall mention, before forgetting, first of all, that we are sponsored by the Argentina Independent. They are a wonderful source of English language news, current affairs, and lots of other things. Um, from Argentina and across Latin America and you can read them free of charge on argentinaindependent.com they pay for our booze and they're very kind to do so so thank you to them Um, and I'm joined this week I'm Sam Kelly and I'm joined by Peter Coates hello hello Peter how are you very well thanks as frustrated as I am that we're not going to be discussing a thrilling classical diavision either and uh, lots of other things yeah of course we should really be sitting as you say discussing a lot of positive things and instead we're really drawn on one aspect of of Argentine football which is all too familiar unfortunately. If listeners will forgive me for a moment I'm just going to fiddle the mic slightly because uh, for some reason you're coming out quite a lot louder than I am on it. That should do it. Hopefully. Um, what happened? Uh, I'm assuming that most listeners by now will already be aware but just in case you're not the very basics um, are that last Thursday River Plate visited Boca Juniors uh, River had a 1-0 lead um, from the first leg of their Copa Sudamericana last 16 tie and Libertadores. pardon? Libertadores I said Sudamericana didn't I? <laughs> yeah. Libertadores last 16 thank you um, and it was 0-0 at half time of the second leg and as the players came out onto the pitch there was uh, lots of fuss and, and uh, uh near indescribable scenes um, and it transpired that Rivers players had been attacked with a mixture of stuff which might have been pepper spray and might have been um, something that that is called here gastumbero sort of homemade concoction and artisanal hipster kind of pepper spray if you like um, involving a couple of different bits of pepper and acid uh, which sounds quite nasty As a result, uh, after about an hour and ten minutes after the second half should have kicked off, it was finally called off, officially, um, by the referee Dario Herrera, who, let's not forget, was 30 years old, refereeing his first ever Super Classico and first ever international match, so it might traumatise him for the rest of his life as well, um, and by Conmebol. And eventually, on Saturday night, several hours later than we were expecting, we got the final decision, which was that Boca Juniors have been disqualified from this year's Copa Libertadores. It was reported in a few places as, as the match being awarded as a 3-0 walkover to River, which initially is what I thought had happened as well, but it turns out there is a slightly more than just a semantic difference. Uh, Boca have been disqualified from the competition. The difference in the semantics, uh, sorry, more than the semantics, is that if it was a walkover, Boca could have appealed the result, whereas because it was a disqualification, they can't, apparently. Um... 
So River have a 1 0 aggregate win rather than a 4 0 aggregate win. It wasn't given us 3 0 to River. Um, that's my understanding of it, at least. As well as Boca being hit hard um, with a four game behind closed doors order on La Bombonera for international competition. That's, uh, that is to say that they can play in La Bombonera, but they're not allowed any fans. Um, and the same will be true of their away matches in international competition. Their next four away games at continental level also can't be, have any Boca fans present, and that extends to the home side not being allowed to sell tickets uh, to anybody they, they suspect of being a Boca Juniors sympathiser. Um, sympathiser, even I don't know why I stress that syllable. It's been a, a funny few days for all of us, and it's leading me to forget how to speak English. Um, is there anything to add from that short roundup? Four River players are in hospital. I think they've been discharged now. They were two of them were given seventy-two hours um, rest order, and two of them were given forty-eight hours. Those four players were Leonardo Poncio, Matias Kranimita, Ramiro Funetmori, and Leno Angioni. Just to make the situation even more confusing, Sebastian Andriusi, who, as we think we mentioned on last week's podcast, um, had a dose of what was variously rumoured to be mumps or a bit of a cold or um, glandular fever or something ended up being diagnosed with meningitis a couple of days ago was told that he wasn't going to be playing for a month and a few hours ago was given the discharge from the hospital and is now hopeful of being able to go with Argentina's under 20 side to the to New Zealand for the, the World Youth Cup it's been a th- and that as well as that that's been reported in some media I've noticed the Brazilian press going particularly big on it as being affected by the um, incidents on Thursday because in spite of the previous illness he actually played on Thursday night he was one of the first players out onto the, the, the pitch for the second half um, and whilst I'm sure that the spray didn't exactly help his symptoms it is apparently unrelated the, the, the meningitis uh, the non-viral meningitis it was a very peculiar diagnosis um, Peter please take over for a minute whilst I eat this small cupcake well, I mean, <laughs> what is there to say? It's obviously a, another awful chapter in Argentine football. Um, and, and unfortunately, with it coming in the, in the Super Classico, it's, it's, it's probably the, the one fixture in Argentine football where the, the world watches. Um, obviously, the, the press around the world have, have written huge amounts on, on what's happened and it's awful to to be here having to having to talk about these kind of problems again um, either, even just the specifics of this one incident but obviously the wider problems that we end up talking about at least on a bi-monthly basis among which excuse me um, are a lack of seriousness in dealing with issues of security which funnily enough came up before the players had even got off the pitch, I think, or very shortly afterwards, I can't remember the exact timing, when Argentine Security Secretary Sergio Berni was interviewed on television um, and told journalists that the security operation, it was after the players had left the pitch, that the security operation had been a roaring success um, because the players all got out safely. Nobody died. Uh, there were no flares, apparently, hence my introduction, when, in fact, there were quite a few flares being let off oh. in the stands throughout the delay. Um, I mean, not only it was that ridiculous. Bear in mind the, the scenes of thousands of flares lighting up the stadium <laughs> prior to kick off, mm. 
but the fact that the, the footage of the, the event in question seems to show a flare actually being used to burn through the, the fencing to actually get at the river players. So, I mean, it's astonishing how someone in his position can, can come out with that kind of thing. Um, and the fact that he, in, in the wake of the game, he, he was almost trying to take credit for a successful policing job. Um, but I think his, his attitude was quite um, indicative of, of all the problems that we always have in Argentine football, of, of no one taking actual responsibility for anything. And instead, well, my, my bit was okay. It was actually, the, it was actually them. Um, and, and we kind of have that from Bernie and, the, and the, from the policing part, part, part of this. Um, and then you can have someone from AFA saying, oh, well, you know, it's not really our jurisdiction, this is for Commonwealth to look at, uh, and, and so on. And, and, the, and the clubs do the same, and obviously the, the government to some extent as well. So all of these groups kind of push it to one another. Including um, a, well, in this case, Bocker's directorship, um, but we're not trying to suggest that they're the only club who do this by any means. Um, but there is a, a very good journalist who deals with exclusively with the Barra Bravos. That should give you some idea if you're not already familiar with what a huge problem uh, these groups are. It's possible to actually earn your living uh, from purely from writing about Barra Bravos, not even from writing about football. Um, who says that he's, he's got good? Uh, his name's Gustavo Gravia, by the way. If any of you speak Spanish and want to, to have a look for. Um, his his articles, it, it, the surname is G-R-A-B-I-A um, and he wrote a piece in Olay the, the day after saying that pretty much anybody who paid any attention to the the interna, the, the battle for power within Boca's Barra already knew that something big was going to happen on Thursday, he didn't understand how the police didn't uh, do anything, it, it, was, it was known that there was a struggle um, with Bocas Badra, it's known that one of the factions has been completely frozen out of the ticket resales, which are one of the main money makers, particularly with a super classic or ticket resales. Um, and he was unsure how not more was not done, or well, when I say unsure, I mean he was uh, sadly resigned to to, to being uh, probably more knowledgeable than he'd have liked to be about why more was not done. Yeah, and I think this this does bring a huge question mark over Bocca. Um, and and their reaction to the incident immediately. Um, I think the president Daniel Angelisi said straight away after, obviously that they're going to do everything they can to find the culprits, and sort of said all the correct things straight away after the game. Um, since then, has, has kind of changed t- changed tack quite a bit, and as I said to you earlier, is kind of playing the victim more with Boca now and very much against Conmebol's ruling and, and everything else. But also the reaction of Boca's players as well, in light of what happened, I thought was awful to see. Um, as you said, the players had to stay on the pitch for over an hour after this as thousands of Boca fans remained in the stadium and you know chanting that they're not going to let River leave. Um, and eventually... You know, but the Boca players seemed quite uh, reluctant to help the situation. Uh, you know, and River had to be shielded, like you know, run off the pitch under shield, under policeman shields, 
whilst bottles and whatever else came raining down on them a pitch. And after all that, the Boca players turned around and applauded uh, the supporters. Mm. Um, and I find you know that attitude is just absolutely amazing in, in what's happened. And I, and it and it's what surprises me because obviously the players now. Like, as I know you mentioned earlier on Twitter with Danny Osvaldo might be getting into trouble with, with some of his remarks on Twitter about you know how guy, fat guys in suits at Commonwealth have like ruined his dreams or his nephew's dreams in some case but you know it's, t- it's time for Boca to actually look at the actual internal situation here and take responsibility on some level of what's happening here and you know, the players should be directing their anger at the however whoever these people are, even if it's just individuals, that they're the people that ruin their chances. Um, but instead, they're shifting this off to other people and, and trying to pretend as if they're being really hard done by. Indeed. And um, Agustin Orion has been seen as the uh, the ringleader of, mm. of this decision to, to applaud the fans. And there have been a few people um, who I think not... And, and, and I'm not going to say that this is entirely unfair, um, have, have mentioned that in a way, Orion didn't really have much of a choice because if you're a player, then you're kind of a hostage to fortune with the batteries. You can't be seen to be publicly disagreeing with them. And to an extent, I'd agree with that. Somebody of Orion's standing, perhaps, it's the case. Although... Um, Mariano, uh, our, our resident San Lorenzo fan, and of course Orion played for San Lorenzo um, before, was was not very happy with him for uh, similar dealings with with the San Lorenzo Barra when he was there. Um, uh, Orion, that is not Mariano. Mariano has nothing to do with the San Lorenzo Barra. I can't make that clear enough. And you know, Orion is not um, uh, one of the biggest idols in the club's history, or anything. But at the same time, there are examples of players who have not become as involved with the batter as he has without anything happening. Juan Manuel Riquelme at Boca is the very obvious comparison to make, who never gave a centavo to the batter, um, as was fairly well uh, documented. Another one, um, which I was reminded of, the, the Riquelme um, point came up, I think it was somebody on television later that evening or, or later um, on, on Friday, um, and when he said it, it reminded me of um, I think it was a La Plata Clásico, but it was certainly an Estudiantes match because there's one match in which the Estudiantes Barra uh, threw something, I think, at the goalkeeper, which caused the match to be held up for about 10 minutes. And during the hold-up, Seba Meron walked over behind the goal, pointed at a couple of the Barra and said, come down here onto the pitch and I'll kick the shit out of both of you. Um, so it's not as if players don't have any decision, uh, any choice whatsoever but to be friendly to the, uh, to, to the Barra Brava. I mean... Where is Seba Verona Estudiantes now? Oh, he's the president. Yeah. I'm not suggesting that he's going in like Julio um, Independiente's guy. Remind me of the name, I've forgotten it. Hugo Moshana. No, no, the previous one, the one who got kicked out. Uh, Cantero. Cantero yeah. uh, Javier Cantero, and, and you know, going in with this uh, moral decision to, to kick the batter out and that being the main thing of his presidency. Uh, but certainly, he has a fairly good, you know, fairly good standing. Um, for not being part of that that whole thing, and so it, it's further proof that Orion maybe didn't need to be quite as mala leche, uh, to use the Spanish phrase, bad blooded as as he was. Yeah, and I think even if even if you go down that argument, then it, there's still something hugely wrong with with Argentine football. If I'm not saying that the players sh- should be putting themselves at risk 
by taking a stance on their own, but which is why the club itself and and every, everyone else would need to be unified in their reaction. Um, and I think you know if if people are going to start excusing reactions like that or trying to make excuses for the banners, then this is where this is where the problem never ends and why it keeps getting get, well it gets worse because no one actually does anything about it. Mm, absolutely. Um, can we add anything else? We can add quite a bit else, oh, quite a lot yeah. else. I think the we've not mentioned Daniel Anchelisi's name yet. I don't think as the Boca Juniors mm. president. Yeah. Um, Anchelisi has, I think it's fair to say, even he has realised that he's made a bit of a twat of himself because he today reiterated um, his desire to resign his position as AFA vice president. Um, there are some around Boca who think that he's not going to be standing for the presidency and that even he might even call a snap election very soon I'm not sure that that's going to happen partly because if we're talking politics and we're talking Boca Juniors we have to also mention Mauricio Macri um, uh, who in part was responsible for the what I think it's fair to say are the less um, extensive sanctions than, than most people were expecting uh, that Boca had he, he travelled to Asuncion uh, apparently in person to beg Conmebol to, to allow Boca to appeal and, and to be sorry to allow uh, to beg Conmebol to allow Boca to have 24 hours to present some you know some of their own evidence before Conmebol came to a decision um, part of the reason that Conmebol have given for, for a lighter than might have been sanction was the fact that Boca um, immediately reported the, the people that they identified as being responsible on the cameras to police um and showed uh, willingness to aid in the investigation. Let's move on to the Conmebol sanction, because it has caused a fair bit of talk itself, it's fair to say. We were led to believe by journalists who were on the ground in Asuncion, or you know, were, were here in Buenos Aires, but, but were very well informed from the, the internal uh, meetings of, of the Conmebol disciplinary committee that this was going to be the harshest sanction in the history of world football that Boca were going to have to play a decade behind closed doors in all competitions I mean they didn't go quite that far um, but one of the what everybody was expecting or everybody maybe not but certainly what, what we were told by people who should have been in the know was definitely going to happen was Boca kicked out of the of continental competitions for 12 months uh, well basically for the whole of 2016 um, and two-year uh, closure of La Bonera for international competitions. So they could have played, they'd have had to play home matches in someone else's stadium, essentially, um, which obviously was nowhere near what, what happened. FIFA, we were told, wanted double those sanctions um, and are quite angry at it not being. Um, <laughs> again, we're told all of this, and yet what actually ended up happening was something that was much more in line with what Conmebol has handed down for obviously there's nothing directly comparable but for sort of similarly controversial incidents let's say in previous continental matches Sao Paulo Tigre in the, the final of the Copa Sudamericana in 2010 I think it was wasn't it it was one of the ones when I was flying back to England because the second leg and the fuss all happened um, whilst I was in the air and I remember getting back and thinking my word let me just check that. So it was either 2010 or it was 20... Uh, 
12, maybe. But I think 12. Bear with us, listeners. I probably should have looked this up and had it ready before we um, checked. Oh, yeah, Independiente won the 2010 one, didn't they? Yeah, so, uh, so, yes, it should be the 2012 one, then. There we are, yeah, it was the 2012 file. Um, so kind of similar degree of sanctions to uh, to those. Um, and I sort of softened a bit towards it initially. I mean, I, I think a lot of the anger that was caused by the initial announcement was because people have been, been led to believe that it was going to be so much worse than it was. Was it about right, in fact, do you think? Or Well, whether it... Whether it was or it wasn't, I think everyone would more or less agree that it it was it still erred on the side of leniency. Mm-hmm. So, I think what's causing more controversy now is not not in fact the ruling, but the fact that Boca is still disgruntled over what has been given to them, um, and are appealing that. Um, Indeed, and I yeah. think that that's the the bigger thing now, rather than the. I think everyone would would go along with the initial one if Bocco had kind of taken their medicine and thought, you know, <laughs> all right. I also suspect that it might have been slightly easier to swallow if Conmebol had perhaps uh, announced a, a suspended, you know, sentence kind of, mm. of, of the kind that we sometimes see in Europe. Like, if this happens again or anything, if you have any trouble whatsoever in the next five years at one of your home games, then we're doing, you know, you're getting a stadium banned for... Yeah. for two years or that, that kind of thing um, whereas as it was it was just this is it the expulsion from the competition is non-negotiable but the rest of it you're welcome to appeal yeah and I think the other thing that kind of leaves a bit of a bad taste as well is the fact that it took so long to come to that ruling and in the meantime we don't really know what conversations went on but like you said we're talking about someone as powerful as Maurizio Macri uh, potentially going in person to discuss this Obviously, um, the AFA as well, we, who knows what conversations went on there, but that as well, you know, as I said, leaves a bit of a bad taste because you, you sort of think, well, what happened in these conversations and mm. how did we end up get going from what we all led to believe as being far harsher penalty to, to what we ended up with? Um, because none of those people really should have had an impact on on what Conmebol decided. No, indeed. Um, it's slightly frustrating there are the two of us here, partly because uh, we, we were hoping to have John Gilbert here this evening as well, and he would have provided another uh, more neutral voice, because I'm quite uh, conscious that, that whilst I try and be unbiased when assessing football full stop, OK, here on Hand of Pod, I, I let the the anti-Bocker or pro-Riverside out a little bit more. But generally, you know, and for something like this, I, I want to try and, and be down the middle. And yet I do lean towards River. And so I'm, there's always a bit where I'm kind of second-guessing myself, whereas you're more neutral. John's yeah. obviously more neutral. Um, and so it's a bit frustrating that, that there are only two of us at the moment. And we were hoping that one of um, one of our new tamed Bocker fans would be able to make it. And unfortunately, neither of them have been able to. We're recording, of course, on Monday night rather than Wednesday this week. So it's a bit unusual because we wanted to... Uh, not to get too far behind the news, as it were. Um, 
but I haven't yet come across a Boca fan who actually seriously, uh, uh, or rather, I haven't yet come across a Boca fan whose opinion I would take seriously, who feels that Boca shouldn't have been kicked out of the, the competition. There have been a few idiots on Twitter coming out with wild conspiracy theories about River doing it to themselves to try and get the match called off. And um, I've seen one, one thing that I did see mentioned was that the Kirchner government um, have orchestrated it along with River in order to harm Mauricio Macri's presidential bid, which is <laughs> mental. Um, I just think the thing is, if, if you take out the bit that now that Bokras are angry about is the fact that they can't play the last 45 minutes of the match. Yes. <laughs> if you took that out of the equation and said, all right, look, you can go and play the last 45 minutes against River, and they, they turned around the 1-0 fixture, went through, but, okay, the rest of the... Th- they had to play the rest of the tournament, I guess. It would be the rest of it, plus maybe the first couple of games next year, mm. without fans. You know, what kind of a punishment is that? What kind of signal would that send out to... To, after what is a very serious incident to say alright we'll have to just rearrange the last 45 minutes play that and then carry on as you were the, to answer your question the signal that it would send out would be to tell every other club in South America or indeed Mexico because they're in the Libertadores as well mm. you know what you can spray acid on your opposing players um, that's just fine and you'll still be allowed to take part um, you know and the point here is not we're, we're not saying for absolute certain that we've got proof um that Boca Juniors um, directors or anything were, were involved in the attack or knew that the attack was going to happen. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that the message it would send out is as long as we can't link it back to your directors, that's fine. Um, because the whole point is that Commonwealth have handed down the punishment they have because they've decided that Boca were responsible for failing to protect the away team sufficiently. That's not the same as, as saying that they orchestrated the attack. Um, but were you know failed in their duties as as, as hosts of the match basically, mm. um, and so yeah the the reaction has been a peculiar one, uh, and, and and a depressing one, and yet at the same time not an entirely unsurprising one. Have we mentioned Daniel Osvaldo's tweet yet? Yeah, I mentioned because I'd it like in, to mention as well. <laughs> uh, okay, then we'll, we'll mention it a bit more than in passing. Daniel Osvaldo almost as soon as the. Um, uh, announcement was made around half past ten on Saturday night, uh, Argentine time, or half past nine on Paraguayan time. Daniel Osvaldo was apparently at his nephew's birthday party. Um, that might seem a bit weird to Anglo's and Northern Europeans, but in fact, uh, small children do stay up ridiculously late at night in Argentina <laughs> as well. So it's not actually that unusual. And he tweeted a picture of himself with his nephew, saying that five fat men in suits, as Peter quoted earlier, um, have ruined his nephew's dream. Which you know, perhaps several idiots in Boca shirts claiming to be fans in the crowd have ruined my nephew's dream might have been slightly more accurate. And so that doesn't help things. And what also doesn't help things, I felt, was uh, Rodrigo Mora's Instagram post as well, which, I mean, you, there are going to be people who will say, well, River are the wrong, you know, River were the victims in this, and therefore they can be allowed a little bit more leniency and perhaps a bit more leeway. And, OK, I can see that argument, but at the same time, there's not actually anything to celebrate in all of this. Um, you know, literally in one sense, because River haven't won a trophy yet. They're in the quarterfinal. I mean, that's that's worth in itself. And, and officially speaking, they've qualified by knocking Boca out. But ultimately, it's been a fairly unsavoury incident all throughout. And so, as a result, an, an, an Instagram post of a photograph of most of the first team squad saying two times in six months, referring to uh, the second time in that amount of time that River have eliminated Boca from a continental competition, isn't the most kind of 
bridge building thing no. that's ever been done in the history of football rivalries is it um, it's fairly kind of undignified all round I think I was disappointed by it yeah I mean that, that's certainly what, it certainly wasn't a good idea in, in light like you said of what happened um, but I think in part does go into the, the underlying problem of, of not just the super classical but like football in Argentina in general and, and this whole one-upmanship of between the, the teams and the supporters, which on one, on one level is, is obviously what you want from a, from a great rivalry. Um, but in Argentina seems to just continue to, to go to, to greater lengths, um, well, just out of control lengths. Um, yeah. I'm so sorry, I was fiddling around with the <laughs> microphone again. Um, whilst doing this seems to sound a bit better now. Um, but yeah, there's just all of this, and I'm trying to work out whether we've missed any. I should have done a proper plan before. While we've been talking, by the way, apparently Fox Sports, we've got something else on because we we're both slightly depressed by the amount of television time that's been taken up uh, all round by news channels and sports channels and everything by this news in the last few days. Um, Fox Sports have been showing an image of uh, the the Boca, and I'm not going to say fans because they're not. They're presumably they're linked with the Barra, but even if they're not, then they're fucking idiots and, and not supporters they're not doing anything to support their team um, spraying from behind the tunnel because this was another uh, point the police report initially claimed that the, the spray had come from the direction of the pitch uh, the implication being that it was police pepper spray um, being used to control the crowd I couldn't work out at the time you thought well if that's the case then what are the police doing in the tunnel spraying pepper spray down the tunnel in the direction of river players why are they not outside the tunnel it also didn't explain why um, there was a pepper spray stain on the back of the tunnel outside it and that is what this vine that uh, is currently going around Twitter and the Fox Sports have uh, just shown from their own camera it's a vine of Fox Sports coverage um, or rather of what Fox Sports didn't show on the evening but have shown now um, of precisely that happening of, of, of the Boca fan uh, people in the Boca stands um, very much not being policemen spraying away from the stands but being fans sorry not being policemen spraying into the stands but being fans spraying out of the stands and again sorry not fans um, so yeah I mean that, that's that's just happened and there have been so many other contradictions in all of this the, the police report was just bizarre and seemed like it was maybe protecting somebody or something I suspect as much as anything else Bernie the security secretary we already mentioned was making all kinds of ridiculous claims about the operation being a success and uh, there not being any flares or anything like this um, one of the initial um, suggestions when it was first not known yet who whether it would be re whether the second half was going to be played or not um was that it could be played on Saturday or Sunday. And the reason for that, of course, was that there was no football this weekend just gone in Argentina. If you are a new listener or a regular listener, then you probably, um, I'll go for almost definitely, knew already why uh, what we were going to be talking about before you clicked play on this episode. And even without reading the title in the description, you, you'll have been able to guess um, but you might not know, and you could be forgiven for not knowing, the reason that there was no football in Argentina this weekend. Uh, it's because a young man called Emmanuel Ortega, who was a Banfield youth 
product, uh, 21 years old, and was on loan at San Martín de Borsaco, who I believe play in the Primera C, which is the fourth division, um, was, well, uh, I was going to say was killed, but he, he, it, that, that's slightly... It, it suggests an act that didn't actually happen. He died of head injuries um, sustained during a match. Um, he died on Thursday morning. Funnily enough, so Thursday was, and when I say funnily, I obviously don't mean funnily. Um, so Thursday was was a very dark day for Argentine sport all round. Another and it was thing, the day of the footballer as well, wasn't it? Oh, I mean, it was, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, the official, yeah, Argentina's footballer's day. They, they have a day for everything, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, so I mean, well, there's nothing really to say about Ortega. A very poorly designed stadium was ultimately what killed yeah. him. Um, shoulder charge for the ball near the touchline and fell backwards. I'm not going to tweet. A, I, I'd made a choice actually not to tweet the video or anything because it was sickening. Um, and it took him. He was in hospital for 11 days. So rest in peace is all we can add to that. And in case anybody's wondering, no, he was no relation to Ariel Ortega. Um, I'm pretty sure it would have been mentioned anyway. If he wasn't, yeah. it hasn't been mentioned. Um, Another thing that the that River Boca, or Boca River, or rather the idiots in the Boca stands managed to completely overshadow was that just after that match there was the last of the last 16 Copa Libertadores um, second legs and there were six Emelec fans stabbed in Bogota. Um, sorry, Medellin. Medellin or Bogota? No, it's Bogota, isn't it? Atletico Nacional. In Colombia, anyway. Um, by Atletico Nacional Barras. Um, so it was not a great night for the Copa Libertadores all round. It was arguably a pretty good night for um, Atletico Nacional because even though they went out of that 2-1 on aggregate after winning the, the, the match 1-0, um, they are not going to be punished by Carnival because it was so s- singly overshadowed and also possibly because the, the murders happened, or not murders, sorry, nobody died. The, the stabbings happened, as far as I'm aware, outside the stadium and quite definitely um, before the match started and so they didn't call the match off as a result right then shall we try and talk about some football yeah why not it's thoroughly depressing to talk about all that for so long we mentioned last week that the Estudiantes were out of the Copa Libertadores that happened before we recorded last Wednesday but something else that happened since and almost immediately before Boca River was that Racing went through to the quarterfinal um, with a thrilling in a thrilling match against Montevideo Wanderers they won 2-1 on the night, 3-2 on aggregate. You will remember, perhaps, and certainly if you saw it, uh, that in the first leg it would have been very difficult to say that Racing deserved anything, but they got a 1-1 draw with a late equaliser that was hilariously undeserved. Um, before a really quite good performance, I thought, against a Montevideo Wanderers side who came out to play and, and made life difficult and could have snatched it in a very... Ensured that Racing got eliminated in a very Racing-like fashion right at the end by, by making it 2-1 with a spectacular free kick with about three minutes to go and then throwing the kitchen sink and everything else forward as well. Um, were you watching that one, Peter? No. Super. Well, <laughs> that's all of the football discussion for this week. <laughs> no, I mean, because I, I think I was working but like, with the Super Classico then coming up afterwards mm. and I thought, oh, well, I, I assumed Racing were going to get through that, so... Um, what this means is that there are two Argentine sides in the quarter-final of the Copa Libertadores. One of them are Racing and the other one, in spite of the best efforts of Boca Juniors' lawyer in Asuncion, um, River Plate. The matches are going to be 
played... Oh, they're both on Thursday. Um, Ibaka's still holding out some hope here that this is not going to happen. Because, I, I mean, right. I, I just say That's that because um, I read, obviously, that their appeal's in, even though Commonwealth have said that's not something you can appeal. Mm-hmm. Um, and now one of the people on the it's panel, the Bolivian guy, has said, oh, yeah, I, I don't think they sh- that River should play Crusader this Thursday until we've got all this sorted. I think that, basically, if you're Bocca's president and you want any hope of either you or any of your... Um, board of directors standing a chance of becoming Boca president again you've got to at least say that you're going to appeal it I suspect that they're empty words and that what they're ultimately mm. trying to get is the fine um, which is 200,000 US dollars uh, knocked down a bit or something slightly less economically damaging in terms of the off pitch stuff um, but they have publicly at least they've got to say we want to play the second half um, one way around that my, my girlfriend's dad who regular listeners will be aware is a Boca fan suggested uh, was to allow them to play the second half but to make it very clear to Boca we're just doing this so that you know whether you'd, had, whether you'd have had the on-pitch result or not whatever happens you can win the second half 5-0 and you're still out of the copper um, in a way that might help but at the same time as he, uh, as he then rightly says what kind of team the River puts out uh, and this is another thing I mean there, there have been a few Boca fans saying oh the River have, have won the tie on on a desk, you know, through through the offices, through the administrative side of things. But well, if you played the second half on Sunday, River would have been four key players down. Okay, well, Driussi as well, who's become a key player. But as we say, according to absolutely everybody at the club, Driussi's thing was unrelated. So River would have been four key players down as a direct result of this this uh, attack. Um, and as a result, you could then be able to say that had Boca turned it round and won the second half and, and managed to, to get through themselves, then they'd have won it, OK, not on a desk, but not entirely on the pitch either, because, well, okay, no, actually, no, they were on the pitch. You couldn't say, you can't say the River players were not on the pitch when it happened, uh, but as a result of, of crowd yeah. violence as much as anything. And so it works kind of, it works both ways, and I can't help but think that, you know, River are possibly slightly more right to still be in the competition at this point. Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, but on Thursday evening, it's Guarani against Racing at 7.45 and River against Cruzeiro, for the moment at least, at 10 o'clock. Um, and we have two other ties, which are Emelec Tigres. Uh, the first leg of that is at 10 o'clock Argentine time. All of the times I'm mentioning, by the way, are Argentine time, which is four hours behind British summer time and an hour ahead of Eastern Daylight time if you're in the States. Um, Emelec Tigres is at 10 o'clock and Santa Fe Internacional is at 10 o'clock on Wednesday night. Um, but the two Argentine clubs, we were expecting, I think, at least one more Argentine club in the second in the quarterfinal. I think it's fair to say, but yeah, I, I wouldn't think, say um, that. In the end, I mean, we we called San Lorenzo going out, or I called San Lorenzo going out in the group stage. We thought that Huracan might have scraped it through, but they didn't. And then Estudiantes basically ended up with a, a trickier um, knockout tie than we thought they were going to get and two yeah. of them have just played each other in River and Mocha I think Estudiantes are obviously the ones that will be look, probably looking at that draw thinking oh, we we probably should have been there the others mm-hmm. can't really obviously they can't grumble they didn't get out of their groups but uh, Estudiantes' performances in the last 16 were n- not good enough and no especially the second leg was as we mentioned last week it was just bizarre yeah. considering that they they needed to to do something and, and they didn't seem to to be able to um I'm now going to read 
Actually, I'm going to play some music, um, and we'll get a glass refill, and then I'm going to read out a few, first of all, not listeners' questions, but uh, email contributions from some of our other um, contributors, because I did ask the other guys to if you had anything particularly to say. Obviously, this was a uh, one episode where people um, were particularly disappointed not to be able to make it, so I said, email me your stuff in, and I will make sure to read it out so that people at least uh, have a plurality of opinions to choose from. Um, so come back in a few minutes. Ah, the microphone seems to have come back to life. Hello. I don't know whether you can hear any difference, listeners, now that you're listening to me, uh, but I have earphones on whilst recording, and I can hear a big difference. So, good. Just noting down the cut. Um, We will begin with one of our new tamed Bocca fans, Fede, who was the second of the two new Bocca fans to come on. He was on two weeks ago um, for the first time. And he says, here are some of my thoughts in the past days. Um, I'm going to read these out just verbatim, pretty much. Uh, I'm not sure what to say about this mess yet. Everything was awful. The incident itself, the reaction from the Boca players and fans, the footage showing a suspicious attitude from River players, for instance, Tirate Tirate being yelled at Bangioni, that slightly feeds into one of the conspiracy theory thingies that I mentioned earlier, but we won't say anything to Fede about that. Um, Conmebol, I will explain what I'm saying afterwards by the way, uh, Conmebol being a joke in the stadium taking more than an hour to suspend the match, Super Berni the Sergio Berni who we mentioned already, the media circus that followed Conmebol being a joke again with the sanction which while it may not seem harsh is the heaviest sanction ever from Conmebol surpassing the sanction that Corinthians got when a Bolivian fan died in the stands last year he's quite right to point that out because I don't think Corinthians got a sanction I, don't, I think they might have had one match behind closed doors or something when that happened, um Everything just shows how bad Argentine football is and has been for a while, but on the largest scale and with the whole world watching. Um, I think it's difficult to argue with any of that, really. I, the Vangioni bit, I, I'm pretty sure that they were shouting Tirate Agua, throw, you know, throw water on yourself. Um, but there were one or two, as I've said, kind of videos that were cut afterwards and then stuck up on YouTube by various people uh, to try and make it look as if River had orchestrated the thing. Um, and as happens when you have edited videos, they can end up looking quite convincing sometimes. I think it is on just a note. If you were going to defend the the idea of the players being on the pitch for for over an hour, mm. that I think most of us came to the conclusion that this was probably a tactic to try and empty out yes, a lot of the yeah. stadium. Um, well, which obviously it didn't look good having the players my, stood there for an hour and a half. But yeah, my ex flatmate lives. Uh, on Pakinesama, which is only a few blocks away from, from La Bombonera. Um, she's in San Telmo, but, but basically Boca fans empty out of La Bombonera and pretty much all go north and they you know walk past her house every, after every home game. And she tweeted me during the uh, the wait to say that the police were moving into the area. So I think that Comebol were probably taking a long time to, to, you know, the decision was taken within about probably 10 or 15 minutes and then they said, OK, we need to let the police give them time now to, to move into the area to make sure there's not a riot on our hands when, when they leave. Um, Gustavo, 
says, here are my two cents, feel free to chop them down as you see fit. I'm going to mention them, because it gives us a different spin entirely on this stuff, because of course Gustavo is one of our um, lower division experts. In fact, Santiago uh, has now left, he's, he's buggered off to Australia. Um, so good luck Santi if you're listening and it leaves Gustavo as, as Hand Pod Omni resident lower division expert um, and he says the following I'm going to read these out as I said just as he's written them there's been an imbalance between the punishment suffered by Primera teams such as Boca and River in comparison to the ones suffered by Ascenso that's lower division teams for similar or worse events in the last few years Nueva Chicago Chacarita Almirante Brown and La Ferrer have gone on have gone to play almost full or entire championships without their public, their home fans. Um, and that's been to the detriment of much more fragile economic conditions in those clubs. As an example, Boca get punished with a two hundred thousand dollar fine, which is relevant, but it's deducted from the lump sum that they would have received for playing up to this stage of the champion of, of the Copa Libertadores. Uh, these clubs rely on the incomes of the quotas, uh, the uh, the monthly payments of the members in clubs that in some cases don't have any more than about 1,500 members, paying an average of between 70 and 80 pesos a month. In some cases, these clubs have um, squads that eat up those sums on their own, never mind the costs generated by police custody of games that are played behind closed doors, renting out the stadium, transportation fees, and all of the extra costs generated by effectively playing away from home, even for your home matches. This means, uh, sorry, this is by no means, I think it means, a justification uh, for the lower division clubs. Chacarita have had their stadium closed because of clashes with the police and with the Atlanta uh, visiting delegation. By delegation, I don't mean away fans, but the club's board, staff and out-of-duty players that are able to attend. Uh, Nueva Chicago have faced clashes between factions of their Barra Brava within the stadium, including deaths. Uh, if you're interested in that, then have a look through the When Saturday Comes archives for a piece that Joel wrote uh, a few years ago on, on the situation at Chicago, which has got a little better thing uh, since, I think, from what I've told, but, but is still very tense. Um, and we shouldn't forget the death of Tigre fan Marcelo Cejas in the 2007 promotion playoff against uh, against Chicago. Uh, for the Primera in 2007. If I'm not mistaken, that led to a 20-game closure of the Chicago Stadium as well as a 20-point reduction for the following season in the second division. We could quote La Ferrere, Doxud and Almirante Brown as well, who lost 18 points after incidents on in another... Um, Yes, after instance in another promotion game in 2007 against the Estudiantes de Buenos Aires, in which a fast food stand was thrown out of the Racing Club homestand onto the pitch. Um, this fact was remarked by player Carlos Sabaleta today in response to the complaints by Daniel Osvaldo, which we mentioned already, where Sabaleta says that he also lost his house and his career. So that puts Osvaldo's nephew's birthday party into perspective. There have been dozens or hundreds of incidents in lower division stadiums that were not prevented either by Aprevide, previously known as Coprocede and Subsef, that's the provincial, um, the province of Buenos Aires security um, overseers, basically, which have subsequently failed to do any to do nothing regarding security and control over the last few years. The federal police, the Buenos Aires province police, the boards, the players and the public themselves, even though there's not been a game with away fans since 2008 in the lower divisions, remember. The first division away fan ban has been in place for almost two years, but it's been longer than that in the lower divisions, excluding Rivers' 2011-12 season in the B. It does say that if you're going to punish lower division games or over over dangerous episodes the example should come straight from the top AFA championship and its biggest clubs as well 
Um, and to link that in, obviously this was a Copa Libertadores match, not an AFA match. He says, should AFA take a stand on this? I think so, because the Conmebol punishment is unbelievably lenient, and AFA should make an example of Super Clásicos, as well as it does for the lower division teams. In my opinion, FIFA doesn't see Conmebol and AFA as two, in, as two entirely separate and different different and separate entities and whether it happens on an AFA tournament championship or a Conmebol tournament AFA turning their back is not it's just a way to take care of a widespread problem for AFA candidates to avoid losing votes in presidential elections phew those were good start was two cents or twenty cents perhaps um Andres says it's very hard to say anything about Thursday night. Anything I can say I know is wrong because no one knows exactly what happened. We say that there was the baker, the nickname of the guy who police say threw the pepper spray or um, compound to the tunnel where the players had to pass through to get to the pitch. We say the River fans couldn't go on playing. We say Boca players were not caring about their workmates, that Conmebol didn't know what the hell to do since it was a time bomb for them, and the FIFA suggested the harshest punishment ever, but Mauricio Macri and or Julio Grandona Jr. helped Boca to get a minor one comparing compared to the one that was theoretically expected. Uh, Andres does say, I don't think Boca are in any position to appeal the harshest punishment given to um, honest supporters, who he's really sorry for, which is to play on the remaining 45 minutes against River. The only fine that for me could make the stupid ones think again when they're about to throw any when they're about to throw something on anyone is to make the team that they support in inverted commas out of the competition. Just the other right as opposed to which Angelisi has, has said any team is going to just go and try to win the points on a desk now. In an escritorio or on 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 the desk is Argentine kind of slang for winning it in the boardroom or the uh, or, or an administrator's office, basically. Um, South America's playoff spot removal, which we hinted at earlier, basically FIFA have said today that they're thinking about uh, um, taking away the playoff spot that South America has for the World Cup, so it would go from four and a half spots to just four spots for qualification, uh, which is something that's been discussed for a while and that some people today have seen as FIFA's reaction to... Uh, punishment that they weren't happy with for bringing football into disrepute in their view uh, at Um South America's playoff spot removal has been decided earlier in Andres' opinion than Thursday uh, particularly and specifically after Grondona died um, but the shameful event that occurred the other day could have been the straw that broke the camel's back and Gustavo emailed me separately afterwards to say that he forgot to mention that in a scale from no incidents to We'll be waiting more than an hour in the stadium to pelt you with plastic-filled bottles. Boca deserved at least 10 games away from their stadium compared to the punishments um, that other lower division Argentine clubs have had. So that gives you some plurality of views, hopefully. Thank you very much uh, to Andres and Gustavo and Fede for writing in with those. Peter, any comments? Yeah, I think Gustavo's comments are, are fairly common with with fans uh, certainly from from teams in the lower divisions I've, I mean, I know friends and and people on Twitter have said similar things you know yeah. and and often do whenever the AFA punish Primera teams it's become a kind of big. standard joke which I always try and mention in, in Spanish in the hope that it will get lots of retweets and look at this this English guy knows who Chacarita <laughs> are that whenever any big club does anything at all bad you sort of tweet okay this is 30, 30 matches behind closed doors for Chacarita right yeah um, uh, but I mean like you said, I mean, there are, joking aside, there are obviously much larger financial implications to those sides um, mm. that perhaps aren't 
aren't known by the masses and certainly by some people who maybe listen to the, the pod and obviously know about the Primera and the Libertadores but not so much about those teams like Jacarita or the, the others that Almirante Brown wherever else Gustavo mentioned yeah absolutely uh, on to listeners questions now Lawrence Hart um, asks last week uh, he asked us a question and pre phrased it with uh, as a member of the only five aside team in England who play in a defensive justicia kit. Uh, so he's now sent us an explanation for that because we said, why on earth do you do that? And he says that my partner is from Florencio Barrela and has uh, tweeted us a photograph of his team, which I'm going to retweet right. Hang on a second. Wait for Twitter to load it right now. Um, so thank you for that photograph, Lawrence. Um, what are the team called? You can tell us that next week. Uh, Lawrence also asked when my team needed uh, says sorry when my team needed a distinctive kit. This fitted the bill and led on to me led to me being paraded onto the Defensivos DC pitch at a home game a few years ago. But that's another story. Please tell us about it. We'll read it out next week. Um, Lawrence also says question for tonight: Will Macri's presidential campaign be affected by Thursday's events? Bearing in mind his strong links to Boca, I'm going for not enormously. And it wouldn't surprise me if that's why Ankelisi has uh, announced his intention to resign from AFA. I don't think it would be entirely surprising if Macri has sort of leaned on him and said, look, you need to wipe the slate as clean as you possibly can here because I don't want any of this bouncing back on me, as it were. I think virtually everything Ankelisi does is with the He's OK of, yeah. with, with the okay of Mauricio well, Macri. The OK, putting it mildly, and yeah. quite possibly the, the coercion. Um, so, yeah, I don't know whether it will have an impact on his presidential campaign as mm. such. Um, but, I mean, like I said earlier, I don't think it looks very good when you've got someone who is running for bloody president of the country yeah. um, actively getting involved in Boca Juniors' punishment. You know, as, as we mentioned earlier as well, there are some mentalists who think that, and we're not including Fede in the mentalist by the way, even though I've mentioned again conspiracy theories whilst reading his email out um, but there are some people who um, who, who feel that, that River were orchestrating this along with the Kirchner government to, to discredit Macri um, but no, probably not uh, is, is the answer to that one um, Scott Scott oh god, how do you pronounce that? Keo. Keo? Cough? I'm not sure, sorry Scott uh, asks, is there anything to talk about this week? It's been a quiet one. Well, indeed. Um, Sportvox says, oh, he's got a football question. Thank you so much. On the one hand, I'm wondering whether he's paid any attention at all over the last few days, but on the other, I'm very grateful. Um, says, hello, is Guido Carricio ready for European football? In Greece, Olympiacos have looked at him. Estudiantes want 9 million euros. Thank you. Um, I think so. Yeah. Particularly, a, 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 let's not say lower level league but certainly a second tier league like Greece I think he could do very very well uh, without having seen an awful lot of Greek football but in comparison with say other Argentines who, who've been there and done pretty well yeah I think um, all I the like teams him. I've seen linked with Carisha none of them have it's not you know not been Europe's el- el- very elite teams that's no disrespect to Olympiacos or, mm. or anyone else but it's been at the level which I think it, you know that would be a qu- quite a good move for him um, and I've, a sensibly sized step up yeah, exactly. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if in six or seven years, if, if he is in one of the big leagues, because his development is, you know, is obviously going to yeah. um, to improve. I think that what I like about, and I think I wrote something when he was linked, maybe, maybe Olympiacos were mentioned, but there was someone else 
who were who were sort of leading the chase for him at the time a couple of weeks back. Um, I like the fact that Carisha's development has been with his Argentine club, and you know he made his debut all the way back in I think two thousand eleven. Mm. But he's still at the club and is now the centre of their attack, and you know, and he's done his development actually with Estudiantes and didn't just play a handful of matches before going off to sit in some reserve team in Europe. You know, he's become a central part of the Estudiantes side, um, and has proved himself within the last sort of eighteen months to probably be one of you know in that very top bracket of strikers in the in the Argentine Primera. So he's, a, he's earned that right to go to Europe. Um, yeah. And I think it's good for the club. It's, it's been good for his his personal development. It's good good for Estudiantes. I think now he's moving at a time when, you know, they're able to say, well, you know, this guy, twenty three, is our captain. Twenty four next week, in fact. Um, uh, you know, and, uh, and can probably get a decent like well, like the fee they mentioned, nine million euros. Mm. I mean, it's a huge amount in Argentine football. Would you say he's got good feet for a big man? Yeah, I would. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to use that, use that um, old adage, but yeah, I would. Uh, Leo Rosomano asks, how has Simeone's coaching changed since he left behind an abysmal record in Argentina, save for second place Ross RC in Park the Bus fashion? Um, I'm not entirely sold on Simeone due to his time in Argentina, but I'm not entirely sure whether Leo has uh, got him mixed up with somebody else either what does RC mean I think he might mean RP mightn't it River he won the championship with River Racing Club oh did he manage Racing I, I thought he only lasted about six games at Racing how many games I mean he was manager sorry I read these out as I see them uh, Leo and so I'm slightly embarrassed I should possibly have read uh, start reading them before we broadcast and then check them with people um, I'm not quite sure whether you've got Simeone mixed up with someone else or maybe your, your phone's auto-completed because Simeone won a championship with Estudiantes didn't he and then won a championship with River Plate and then admittedly did lead River Plate or to most of the way to a bottom place finish six months after that before um, buggering off he's certainly improved or it would appear that he's improved and he's found the club where the DNA of the team suits him down to the ground um, how let's try and answer the question anyway I mean the, okay so the abysmal record in Argentina is, is either somebody else's or is uh, well I think it, it, I wouldn't say he had an abysmal record in Argentina he certainly had, had a, a very record. precisely I mean as I said I, I wasn't convinced by him um, as a manager largely that, that bottom place finished by which time he'd already left by the end of that championship um, but he was largely responsible for it with River uh, and a fairly Uninspiring championship win, in fact, which was largely thanks to Juan Pablo Carrizo in goal and Diego Bonanotte and Ariel Ortega up front. Um, but uh, two league titles, unless I've misremembered, and he actually didn't win with didn't win one with Estudiantes, which I'm now going to look up quickly. Um, but he has, well, has he changed that much? It's not as if Atletico played total football. No, I mean, Obviously, the calibre of players now available to him mm. at Atletico is, is far better. Um, but like you say, yeah, he's still he's not exactly become this overly attacking manager. I think the criticism when he was in when, when he was in when he was here was that you know he, he didn't really go at teams, and if they did go one 0 up, he then sat back and defended the, the defended the lead. Um, so I mean, like you said, he did he did win a couple of titles and. 
you'd have to then therefore describe his time here as mixed. But that that seems yeah. to be what most people say about his his managerial style when he was here. Yeah, and there's recently been, I guess, a little bit of a backlash against his Atletico side as well. They've stopped being the the, the football hipster side to love, let's say, because people have started realizing that actually they spent a fair bit of every match kicking the opponents when the referee's yeah. backs turned. And I guess over. that that in a way that comes with success, doesn't it? I mean, before they were the, this massive underdog all yeah. the time so it was it, like you said it was quite cool people and overlooked that because it was well you know they've got to compete with Barcelona yeah. and Madrid and now they've been competing with Barcelona and Madrid for a couple of seasons and uh, and people expect something more from them yes it, it's going to be interesting to see how it develops in the next season or two and whether he can diversify a bit further on I'd say arguably more than than how it developed from Argentina into um to, to Spain and I've looked him up and I was not imagining it he did win a championship uh, with Estudiantes as well and how long was he with Racing? he was at Racing for ah here we are we've got the exact stats he was in charge for 14 matches at Racing he hung up his I think it was right yes it was the um, the manager who preceded him got sacked five games into the season and Simeone retired from playing to take charge at Racing mm. um so it was the other, the previous guy lasted five or six games into the championship and then Simeone took over. Uh, I was remembering the, the, the wrong way around. Uh, and Leo also... So I, I think, asked, in, in, in fairness then, may, you could maybe cut him some slack that he made the transition very, very quickly from retirement as a player into management much quicker than, than most would make. Mm. Um, I think a mixed record could part be excused... By Simeone supporters, I think in the, in that case. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Particularly given the number of people who were actually prepared to take charge of Racing at that time, which was not very many because they were in a, a hole um, uh, at that moment in time. Uh, Leo also asks: Are all plateistas, that is, people who sit in the platea or the the seated section um, of the stands, uh, as shitheaded as bockers? In other words, could we expect the same behaviour? I'm I'm going to assume, and I think it's safe to assume, that he's talking about uh, fans staying behind after the match has been officially called off and taunting Rivers fans for upwards of an hour um, from the fans of the other big five. Now, the first thing I'm going to say is that's not even all plateistas at Boca. It's a very small minority of plateistas at Boca. There were, according to people who are at the ground and you know, journalists and TV journalists and whatnot, between four and 7,000, that's a rough estimate, people still in the ground uh, when River left the pitch and got you know pelted with bottles and it's not as if all four to 7,000 of those people were pelting River with bottles but at the same time they probably shouldn't have really been there if they weren't there to, to mock in some way and to be generally bad sports um, so it's not even you know the vast majority of Boca fans left peacefully although we shouldn't overlook uh, the fact that there were five um, union workers afterwards who were hospitalised apparently from fights with uh, with Boca fans who didn't want to go. Um, can we expect the, beh- the same behaviour from fans of the other big five? Yeah. yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah. No, and that's not why just the other big five, but pretty much every other club in Argentina. Yeah, that's why my comments earlier when you, when you were saying you would have liked to have some more in, impartial views. Mm. I mean, my dislike of Boca and River <laughs> is pretty much equal. Um, and I like to think that my attitude, had it been in in the Monumental with with River fans doing the same obviously it would have been impossible with the running track or whatever but it would have been exactly the same um, And but you know turning that on, on myself yeah I think the stakes the, the same situation in a, in a classical Avicenna you could 
easily foresee similarly um, ugly scenes at the end. And like you say, that that stretches beyond just the big five. Mm. Absolutely. Um, so yes, that, that's an answer to that one. Yeah. The answer is yes. Yeah. We could expect the same behaviour from not just the other big five, but from pretty much any club in the country. Um, Mystic Sam surprise surprise hasn't changed his prediction since last week because the matches coming up this weekend are precisely the ones that he predicted last weekend uh, so see the last few couple of minutes two or three minutes of last week's podcast for Mystic Sounds predictions or just go and look on the blog handapod.wordpress.com and check out the episode 184 um, post because I always put the, the, the full list of predictions underneath those but Peter, are you feeling any more optimistic or pessimistic about the Classic de Avicenne on Sunday than you were before? No, I mean, I think we're in a kind of similar situation, really, aren't we? I mean, Racing still have um, a Thursday match mm. in the Libertadores this week, um, followed by another one next week. So they, they, they have that to balance. Um, Will's, which So again, the same, same really that we discussed last week, I think tomorrow night, in their quarter-final match, they're gonna they're gonna go with their strongest team, mm. which will obviously be with Melito up front, and he he particularly at his age, I think, would, will struggle to do three ninety-minute matches of that at that level. You know, two quarter-final Libertadores matches and a, and a Clásico in the space of a week. So, I think he might be one quite crucial member of Racing side who features on Thursday but makes the bench for for Sunday. Which which gives Independiente some some hope. I mean, yeah. you'd still you'd still probably favour Racing given the current club's forms, and it's in in Racing Stadium. Indeed. Um, I'm trying to think. Have we missed anything at all? Apparently, while we've been talking, the uh, material author, as the Spanish phrase goes, the the person who what done it uh, has been identified as. Basically, the, the Barra Brava, who everybody thought it was, uh, the Panadero, as, as Andres called him, uh, his nickname, the Breadmaker, um, in, uh, in in the email that I that I read out from Andres earlier. Um, so well done, we've identified him. That's nice, um, and that's it. Well, I think the crucial part now is actually, does the identification mean anything? Because bear in mind. <laughs> When when this event happened and someone on TV, when we were watching this live, one hour later it was mm. reported. Oh yeah, this is a guy that's actually known to the authorities and is banned from the stadium, um, but was still there to cut open a fence and <laughs> spray this god awful mixture all over the the rat, uh, river players. So it's all well and good, right? We know who the guy is, but now we need to see some actual. You know, action. Indeed. It's also worth noting that the fixtures, although are the same, they're crammed together a lot more this weekend. Aren't oh, they? you're right. Yeah, because Monday is. Um, yeah. Why is Monday a holiday? End of single demotion. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah Monday's the day of the revolution. Uh, so we've got as many matches as we were going to have, but they're Friday, Saturday, Sunday this week. Um, so. There we go. Yeah, so we're busy day for you. <laughs> it, yes, it will be a very Seven busy matches on days. Saturday, I think. Oh, goody. Is that right? I've not looked at any of the kickoff times yet. Yeah, I think it's seven on Saturday and six on Sunday. Oh, so we do know two of the kickoff times that I do know off the top of my head are 
Racing Independiente kicks off at 3 o'clock mm-hmm. and Boca versus Aldo Sibi is at 6 o'clock which means that Racing and Boca stadiums which are two of the closest together in the Primera uh, for teams who can actually play at the same time because of course Independiente is a lot closer to Racing's than Boca's is but they're never going to play at home on the same day as Racing um, uh, Boca is starting their match just as Racing are going to be emptying out and spilling over into pretty much the same part of Buenos Aires that a lot of Boca fans are going to be travelling to the stadium in uh, so well done Argentine authorities I mean who could possibly predict any trouble at Boca Juniors Stadium this weekend you fucking spanners what are you thinking um, and on that note I think it's time to say goodbye thank you very much to everybody again uh, for listening please share us with your friends and family and uh, co-workers whether they're interested in Argentine football or not our, our listener figures for some reason have dropped through the floor in the last three or four weeks uh, since we started previewing Super Classicos every week um, basically so hopefully now that there are no Super Classicos to preview anymore the list of figures will start to pick up again but please um, feel free to share and if you want to give me any idea as to why you or your friends have stopped listening please also let me know because we're very open to listener feedback here on Handapod um, we're also open to uh, people paying for our booze and that is done weekly by the Argentina Independent, a fine source of English language news, current affairs and other things from Argentina and across Latin America, which you can read free of charge on argentinaindependent.com. And now, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening as ever, and it's goodbye from Peter. Goodbye, and I hope next week to be talking about much uh, happier times, like a glorious victory uh, for Independiente in the classic. I shan't say fingers crossed for that last bit, but I'll say fingers crossed for the rest of the sentiment. And goodbye from me. Goodbye.